Well, guys, we are back. You've had your break.、Uh, I'm sure you're enjoying one another in each other's homes, being able to gather together, which is awesome.、Uh, so, we're just going to get straight into the word、uh, by starting with prayer. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to just bring the word and、uh, speak about your word and talk about your word because it truly is the only thing that will transform our thinking. And if there is a time, We need that transformation. We need it now. So, Lord, I pray that your word would do the work in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I loved、um, just to kind of recap a little bit on the message that Brom preached, which was so awesome. And、uh, just really what I took from it. Was, you know, just the fact of how he spoke about our faith really being in the faithfulness of God. And,、um, you know, he showed us through the story of Joseph that God is always with us. He's always with us.、Uh, God gives us, and I loved how he put this God gives us a snapshot of what he has purposed for our lives, but we can't use that snapshot to figure out the whole picture that God has, you know, Painted or really used to bring about his purposes、um, because God is too vast, He's too big.、Uh, and when it comes to trusting even the snapshot He's given us, and, and in other words, like He said, having faith in our faith or、uh, having faith in the very、um, little small thing that we see, which we can take that. And kind of even limit God because we may see it in one moment, but as we continue to travel through life, just as Joseph did, the, the, the dream that he had, it came back to him, but he could then see what it was really meant for.、Uh, and I think when it comes to us, we have to have our faith in his faithfulness.、Uh, and Joseph could, could really. Pinpoint that throughout his life. But as we think about that,、um, I think the question will arise, which is, you know, how do we know the faithfulness of God? How do we know that He has been faithful? And yes, when we have these questions, when we have these, even these moments of doubt, is God there? You know, it, it, it's something that we have to. Kind of take stock in and actually think about our lives, you know, and, and kind of go back into what God has done for us personally, you know. And yes, that always、um, tells us, oh man, God has been faithful. I, I have my health, or God healed me, or God did this, or He provided. And those things are so important when it comes to our personal relationship. But even with those things, They can still be and are subjective because I can say, yes, God did this for me. He is, a matter of fact, He healed, you know, my grandmother or my uncle or a family member. And then if I'm telling someone that, someone may have a completely different、um, story and, and they actually may say, well, I never saw 
you know, my grandmother that I was praying for to be healed. I never saw, uh, you know, a family member that I was praying for to be promoted. It, it never happened. So, you know, a lot of these things that we tend to rely on, um, can be subjective and we have to take into consideration, well, if this is the case, then what is the objective truth of God's faithfulness? You know, how do we see that? Where do we see that? And that's what we want to get into a little bit today. So if we go back to John chapter 14, I know we've been really, um, you know, talking about this passage of scripture, but I think, you know, as we read it more and more, we can see more of what God is saying and how the Holy Spirit is really wanting us to really focus uh, on this particular passage of scripture. So I'm just going to read John chapter 14, one through five, but I'm going to kind of skip around and go further in the chapter to kind of bring, um, you know, to light what some of the things that uh, God is saying here. So starts off, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. That's awesome. You know the way to the place where I am going. And then verse five, Thomas says something that is pretty interesting. He says, Lord, we don't know where you are going. So how can we know the way? It's funny to hear that question and the response that Jesus answers with is, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. But now let's listen to Philip's response. Philip says, Lord, show us the father and that will be enough for us. Hmm. It's really interesting. Again, we're, we want to know the objective truth of God's faithfulness and what we put our trust in. So for Philip to ask this question, he says, well, not ask. He actually states or more of a demand, Lord, show us the father and that will be enough for us. And I think a lot of us can kind of think along the lines of Philip and, and even Thomas, you know, Thomas to ask, how can we know the way, you know, we, we allow our, our own intellect, our own, um, thinking process, our own, uh, yeah, logic to try to get through what is being told to us, especially from someone from Jesus who is trying to show us that we're spiritual beings, you know, not, of course we dwell in the flesh that is our housing, but we are actually spiritual beings. So to try to understand something from the natural, you know, you end up finding yourself asking questions like this. 
And even with uh, Philip, you know, making that demand, man, show us more and that will be enough. So even with this message, you know, I've titled it, when is it enough? When is it enough? You know, when do we get to the point where it's enough for us to say, okay, I don't need anything else. I have what you've given me and I trust it. And that's enough. When does that happen? Well, a couple of things that I want to point out that when we read what Philip's response was, when we read what Thomas's response was, uh, I think a lot of times we um, kind of see two things at work, even here, you know, when it comes to number one, our feelings, um, and when it comes to also our own opinions or our intellect or our knowledge, what we can kind of cognitively get in and just understand and, and be settled with it once we get the point in here. And the thing about it is, those things really keeps us in our own way of understanding what God is trying to convey, what he's trying to reveal to us. You know, so our own feelings get in the way, our own intellect or our mindset or our level of uh, knowledge, you know, how much we think we know. Uh, those two things really play a part in how it gets in a way to really hear what Jesus is trying to get at, what God is trying to get at for us and even through us. Um, we, I put here, and I think this is interesting to point out, we are constantly on a search for truth instead of being on a journey with truth. So you find, you know, I know there's this thing around going, you know, where we're deconstructing, you know, even church and what God is saying and questioning things, which I think is, is great because it kind of pulls us into that place of, wait a minute, you know, all of these traditional man-made things, let me question this because what is this really about? But we have to actually measure that to the word of God. And when we're going on, uh, instead of going on a search for truth, we need to learn what it looks like to journey with the truth. Because as we journey with the truth, yes, all of these man-made things, we can understand where it comes from, whether it's a good place or not. But we also can see, no, that's not what God is saying. That's actually not God. This is God because we're journeying with the truth. Let's read Jeremiah chapter 17, verse nine. It says the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Jesus looks at our hearts. He's the only one that can look at our intentions and our motives. But when it comes to us, we're not even to trust our own hearts. Because when we start to do that, we start to put confidence in us. We start to put confidence in the way we feel and we start to kind of 
you know, form our opinions based on our own experiences. And yes, it's important to have our own experiences, but that is not where we, you know, derive our answers in life, especially in the purposes of, of God, you know, according to how we feel and according to what we've experienced and according to what we think, because the Bible says here, our hearts are desperately wicked. And as a matter of fact, if you back up to the seventh verse, it says, be, but blessed is the one who trusts where in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. So that's it. Where, where our confidence lies is in God. It's in him. It is not in our thinking. It is definitely not in our feelings. Obviously, we all have emotions and it can be here one day and could be over here the next. And it's not in that, but it's not in here either, because no matter how much we think we know, as Paul states, even in one of his letters, a man that thinks they know everything, they know nothing. So we have to be careful into how we are on a search for this truth when the truth has already been given to us. We have to learn how to journey with that. So let's let's keep going. Let's listen to the response that Jesus gives to Philip in verse nine of that same chapter. Jesus answers, answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time. That right there just kind of blows me away because that can be even for now. We can you we can see this scripture and apply it to our lives now. When we've walked with God for so long, when when God has been with us and so faithful to us for so long, yet questions like what Philip said or statements like what Philip said, show me the Father, that will be enough. Jesus is saying, Philip, you're missing it. And I don't know why you are. You've you've been with me for so long. I've been with you for such a long time. Do you not know me? Anyone who has seen me has seen the father. How can you say this is Jesus talking to Philip? How can you say show us the father? Not only have you been with me, but I've been saying the same thing. If you see me, you see the father. I've come to do my father's work. I've only spoken about my father because the authority that has been given to me is from my father. As Jesus says, don't you believe that I am in the father and that the father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak of my own authority. Rather, it is the father living in me who is doing his work. It's like I can see Jesus saying, Philip, what are you talking about? I've been talking this way. I've been preaching this way. I, my, my whole purpose for being here has been explained clearly. I've been telling everyone, especially you guys, the authority that I walk under has been given by my father. So for you to say to me, show us the father, that will be enough. I've, I've, I've done that. 
this is who I am. Wow. You see how if you got to ask yourself the question, where's the line? Where do we draw the line? When is it enough? If we jump down to the 20th verse, Jesus continues. He says, on that day, you will realize that I am in my father. So let me tell you this now, Philip. Let me tell you, whoever's listening, I'm trying to give you the news right now. You're going, I'm trying to tell you where you can trust me right now. But on that day, make no mistake, you will know that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. You're gonna know it. I'm telling you now, trust me, believe me. But when the day comes, you won't be able to say, I didn't tell you. You will know that I am in the Father and you are in me and I am in you. You're gonna see this. This is going to happen, Philip. This is why you have to believe now. Because this day is coming. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. Jesus continues. He's, he's saying more now. The one who loves me will be loved by my father. And I too will love them and show myself to them. Now, when I read this, I, I asked this question as well. And I think it's pretty it's pretty incredible. Uh, the next verse, which Judas, who's not Judas Iscariot, but listen to what he asks. He says, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? And I think at face value, I think on the surface, it's a good question. It, it makes sense. Why? Why just show us who you are? Why not? show the rest of the world. But I also think, again, it goes back to that point. When is it enough? Because when we realize what Judas is asking, it can be interpreted as, Jesus, you would make this a lot easier if you're showing yourself to us. Do it to everyone else. Reveal yourself even right now, even in the physical form, like I'm looking at you right now. Show yourself to everyone else in the world. It will make everything that you're saying a lot easier to believe, to grasp, to get. You would think that, but if you go back to Philip's point, Philip is saying, show us the father. That will be enough. And he's talking to Jesus who is right in front of him. So is it really enough as to what Judas may be thinking when he's asking this question? But it's the response that Jesus gives that shows us, no, this is how it's going to work. He replies, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the father who sent me. 
In other words, this is how Jesus will show himself to us. The criteria in seeing that and that becoming a reality in our own lives is that we obey his teaching. We obey his word. We will know who the father is. We will know that Jesus is showing himself to us because it says right here, it tells us he and the father will come and make their home with us. But it's for the ones that will love him. And how do we know we love him? Because Jesus says they will obey my teaching. They will obey my word. That is the difference for someone just saying, yeah, I love God versus someone who is a disciple and actually saying, yes, I love God because I'm obeying his teaching. And the more I get into his teaching, the more I apply myself to the word of God, the more I show how much I love him. This is how Jesus shows himself. Let's continue to read because I want us to understand that Jesus wants us to trust that what the father has already given us is enough, period. And what is that? It's Jesus. We can't figure out the whole picture with the snapshot that we've been given. The snapshot that we've been given, each of us, you know, those that are listening, all of us, myself included, the snapshot that God has given us individually, we can't figure God out like that. You know, we can't, we can't see the entire picture based on what we see for our lives, based on what we see even for one another. Even when it comes to... Um, Prophetically speaking, we see things in part and we prophesy in part. None of us see the whole picture because we're finite. But we know the faithfulness and we know that the faithfulness of God has been already proven. It's already been proven because of the canvas that the entire picture rests upon. So God has this whole picture and he understands the purpose that is going to happen. But that rests upon, so it sits on a canvas that we can trust. How do we know that? Well, let's look at Colossians chapter one, verse 15 through 17. And it says this, he as in Christ is the image of the invisible God the firstborn of all creation for by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And listen to this. And, and he is before all things and in him, all things hold together. Jesus is that canvas. Christ 
is what everything sits upon. So if we want to be able to say we trust the faithfulness of God, whether that's subjective in our own lives as we look back, which we all should, because God is faithful. But what we can all point to and agree to is that we know he's faithful because he gave us him. He gave us Christ. He gave us Jesus. We know that for sure. Whew. It is powerful to understand that that alone is our objective truth. Jesus has to be enough because that is the way God set the whole thing up. He set it up this way and he came through because he's faithful. So the scripture we started off with, I want to go back to that same passage, 14 verses one through five. And I want to read it now with that understanding of Jesus being enough. Let's listen to it. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If it wasn't the case, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place I am going. So when you hear Thomas's response, Lord, we don't know where you are going. So how can we know the way? Thomas makes it about where he's going. But when you read what is being said, what is Jesus making it really about? He's making it about us being with him. So the point that Jesus says, you know, the place and where I'm going, it's not for us to sit down and try to figure out, okay, is this a test? Let me see. Um, he, he's going here. He's going. No, it actually doesn't matter because the promise is wherever he goes, we will be with him. That is the exciting thing. We are going to be with him. And we know this to be the case because he's in us right now. That's what we believe. That's what we trust. He's with us right now. So we know we're going to be with him. How do we know he's with us right now? How do we know this is enough? Because it was enough when Jesus was on the cross and he said, it is finished. What does that mean? It means it was finished. It was done. The work was completed. So good. It's so good to know this because this is the truth that no man can take from us. 
So it doesn't matter what life looks like 10 years from now. It doesn't matter if I can't see the entire picture, if I can't see the whole frame, if I don't know what's happening. I only have this little bit. Well, guess what? That little bit is based on what Jesus said at the cross. It is finished. It's complete. And if it was enough then for them, if it was enough for Jesus to say those words then, if it was enough for Jesus to promise them even before he went to the cross, where I am going, you will be with me. I will bring you with me. It doesn't matter the peripherals. It doesn't matter how everything lines up and trying to figure the future out. That is not even up for us to decide what we have the surety of and where the excitement should always sit and where our faith should always sit is in the faithfulness of God because he already gave us what is enough. That is the objective truth. Jesus, and if it was enough then, guess what? Right now in this moment, on this very Sunday, as you're listening to me, it is enough right now. So if you're going through any dilemma in your mind right now, if you're having doubts about what God is going to do, if you're having a situation in your family and you're trying to figure out, oh, is my family going to be reconciled? Is this person going to be healed? Or even in your personal walk, you're trying to understand, I've been doing church all this time and I can't seem to figure out what the real truth is. Guess what? Stop for a minute and come back to the cross because that is the truth the gospel is the truth and that's what we need to recognize let's get out of our own thinking because that's where the pride sits let's get out of our own feelings because that's what the enemy can use emotionally to kind of waver us from here to there, trying to get and gather what it looks like that fits our own convenience and our own mode of thinking, even for that moment. Yes, this is my truth. This is what I feel like. This is what I want. Let me bring it all the way back to this. No. Let's scale everything back. Let's bring it back to the simplicity of the cross. Because that where Jesus hung for us, which was the full intent for the purpose of God, our father, to bring us back into relationship with him. This is the great, the greatness and the power of the gospel and that will never change that is enough so if everything else never lines up if we never figure out life 10 years from now if we never figure out why this happened or why that happened what we have and what we can stand on this word that we have been given and the, in the word, it tells us that Jesus, the Christ in whom everything is held together, he said it is finished. 
God gave him to us and he is our Lord and Savior. No matter what, what Jesus promised to the disciples, he's promised to all of us. I go away to prepare a place and where I'm going, I will come again and take you with me. We know that is true because he's in us right now. And that is enough. Listen, if you don't know this Jesus, I'm going to pray a prayer with you right now. Even in your mind, get out of your thinking, get out of your, get out of just the religious way of seeing things. And if you are saying to yourself, look, I've been going to church all this time. I've been a part of a church all this time. And what you just said, Carvin, I don't even know if I know this Jesus that I want to pray with you right now. And I just want you to pray a simple prayer with me. You can repeat after me, but listen to what I'm saying, because this is what matters. Father, I thank you. And for those who may not know you, for those who may be struggling even in their walk and not sure if you're there, Lord, I pray that they all come back to the cross. Those who have never met you, I pray they come to the cross. And I pray they just simply say to you, which is this, Jesus, come into my heart, change my heart, transform my thinking. I give you my life and I surrender everything to you. You died for me and you rose again. And I believe that because I believe you are the only way, the only truth and the life. And no one can come to the father, but by you, I trust that. And I trust you, Jesus. And you are enough for me. In Jesus name. Amen. Guys, keep worshiping together. Keep praising God together. Jesus is enough for us. And let's go out and worshiping and thanking God because he gave us exactly what we needed and who we needed. And that's Christ. Worship team, take it away.